Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Good morning once again. Praise the Lord. If you didn't notice, we had a few special guests, part of the praise team this morning. Thank you, Lauren and Riley. And not only did we have special guests on stage, but we had a few youngsters in the sanctuary today. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus said, let my little children come. Why, we certainly believe that children uh, in their classroom here in church and in the nursery, it's good to bring them in different times because sometimes as a church, modern-day church, think that our young kids are the future of the church. I couldn't disagree with that anymore. They're part of the church now, amen? Amen. So let's open our Bibles up to Luke chapter 24. That's where we're going to be this morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women, and with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So this is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is not here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us to praise you, to worship you. Lord, what a celebration it is knowing that our faith is not based on myth or just a made-up story. It's rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the one in whom you sent for our sin, the one who raised on that third day. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit now that you would bless us and encourage us as we look at the significance of the resurrection of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So, we celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest days in all of human history. Now on Friday at the assisted living, we said Good Friday was the greatest day in all of human history. 
But when you think about Jesus, there are a few days combined together. We think of Christmas, right? At Christmas time, we say this is the greatest day, this, the Savior given to us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again on Good Friday, we observe the Lord's death and his resurrection, or excuse me, his crucifixion and death. And then on Sunday, we celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ. And again, all these days go in together. And in fact, if you take one from the other, you don't have the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and of course, the gospel message we see throughout the, through, throughout the gospels telling us of the life of Jesus. And it uh, reminds me that this day is very significant. You won't see any Easter bunnies running around here. We don't even have any eggs. We're in a school. But we do have the resurrected Jesus Christ, and we're going to look at the significance. I'm reminded of a story how important it is that we understand, even if you've walked with the Lord a long time, to chew on, to consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A group of four-year-olds were gathered in a Sunday school class. The teacher looked at her class with great excitement and asked, does anyone know what today is? And the little girl stood up and she said, it's Palm Sunday. And the, and, and the teacher said, very good. And then she said, and asked the question, does anybody know what next Sunday is? That same little girl, same little four-year-old, raised her hand and said, yes, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And the teacher was very pleased with this girl, and she complimented her before asking another question. And she asked the question, does anyone know what e why Easter is so special? And once again, this four-year-old little girl uh, raised her hand and offered this answer, yes. Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the dead. That's why Easter is special. And before the teacher could compliment her even more, the little girl kept talking, but if he sees his shadow, he has to go back in for six weeks. <laughs> Thus the importance of being in the Bible, right? And to consider, to chew on, what the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. You know, for many, it's nothing but nonsense. I find it interesting when we read in the Gospels, as we just read in the historical account of the resurrection of Jesus from Luke's Gospel, you saw the, the Marys there, they, you know, they were perplexed. They weren't totally believing. And then you look at the apostles, they definitely weren't believing. And then you saw Peter. He was marveled, again, not fully believing. That's how it is today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it may be because you believe that the resurrection's a myth, just a made-up story. We read in the scriptures, remember when the Apostle Paul at Mars Hill, when he was declaring in the midst of all those who had the different philosophies, all the different worldviews, remember as he shared the gospel, that Jesus, the, the Christ, the Messiah, went to the cross, he, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected for the third, on the third day. And remember what the scriptures say? They perceived it to be idle babbling, this new doctrine from the Apostle Paul. But the truth is, no matter if you believe or don't believe, the truth is Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And this is significant for every one of us. I'm reminded of from the book, uh, One Minute After You Die, Erwin Lucer summed it up like this. One minute after you slip beyond the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Jesus Christ or catching your first glimpse of gloom as you have never known it. 
Either way, your future will be fixed and eternally unchangeable, meaning how the resurrection of Jesus has or hasn't affected your life in that there and now has results of your future. Belief matters. Believing matters. So let's consider with the rest of our time together, let's consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you would, uh, you can turn with me, or I believe we'll have the scriptures on the uh, screen. But let's consider and let's pretend for a minute that Jesus didn't resurrect. Now we can't even go there, can we? But it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, he defended the resurrection of Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to read these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. And in fact, the dead do not rise. For the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. So what's Paul saying? Well, Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus Christ did not resurrect, then our faith is empty. Meaning there is, there's no value. There's, it's empty. And did you also read that? Did you hear that Paul said the preaching? And that's pretty significant when you read through the New Testament. When you read through the book of Acts, you see the historical account of God through his power of his Holy Spirit. What were they preaching? They were preaching the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that didn't happen, if Jesus didn't resurrect, then we're a bunch of lunatics, right? We are, as Paul goes on and we'll read, we're, the church is the most pitiable on the face of the earth, believing in some kind of hopes that this man, Jesus, resurrected. Listen to what else Paul says there, as I lost my spot. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Uh-oh. We have a problem. If Jesus Christ didn't resurrect, we are still dead in our sin. And the Bible says dead in trespasses. That means we're, we're guilty before God. And then he says, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Again, I think it was C.S. Lewis said that there's no end... In between, Jesus was either a lunatic or he's the son of God who was sent to die on that cross and was buried and resurrected on the third day. There is no middle ground. So we know that Jesus, we know that we know that we know that Jesus did indeed resurrect from the grave. What is this message? Well, it is a message. And it's interesting, when we read the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, I'm always uh, just amazed how, you know, God made it a way for the stone to be moved. The angels moved the stone. And there's a reason behind that. 
God wanted the glory for it. He wanted to do something only he could do, obviously. But it's essentially for the whole world to be able to look in. I mean, let's face it. If you were God, and you're not, and nor will you ever be, what, how would you come up with a plan to redeem man? I mean, the gospel message of sending his own son to the cross to die a sacrificial death, to be buried, and then resurrect on the third day. Now, there have been many who have, uh, I don't know any, have been brought back to life. But every person who's ever been brought back to life on this earth is essentially, or will have, they'll die physically. You think of Lazarus. Jesus resurrected Lazarus, right? But Lazarus, he ended up dying. But Jesus, he lives. He died and rose again on the third day. So it's a message. It is a revelation from God to the whole world through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. It's revealing God's message to the world that he loves us. It's a message of love. And remember what Jesus said in John 11, verse 25 and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now, I don't know if you've ever shared the gospel with somebody, and they might say, well, you know, that's all great. Your religion's good for you, but not for me. Why are you, why are you asking me these questions? Why are you asking if I believe? Well, we do it because Jesus asked. Do you believe this? It's a message, a revelation, the resurrection of Jesus, also that gives power to the meaning and purpose of the cross. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't happen, the cross would have no meaning. But since the resurrection of Jesus Christ did occur, since he did resurrect, it gives power to the meaning of the cross. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We have that word mediator. What is a mediator? Well, a mediator is one who intervenes between two in order to make peace and restore friendship or fellowship, to form a compact uh, or ratify a covenant. And so man needs a mediator because left to himself, we are dead in our trespasses. But Jesus came as the Son of Man, the mediator, because we were separated from God. He, he brings us to the Father. And the Bible says, as you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, again, the best commentary of the Bible is the Bible. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but make made alive in the Spirit. The message of the resurrection, the revelation from God, is a message of victory. I like the word victory. I'm a sports nut. I like it when my teams have victory. I hate it when they lose. I'm working on that. As a Reds fan, we're all going to be working on that. I'm sorry, that was not inspired. Okay, a message of victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory speaks of successfully defeating an opponent or enemy. It's achieving master in a struggle or endeavor against great odds or difficulties. And to have any, you know, to have victory in anything, there has to be a plan. And God has had a plan for the victory for man since the beginning. Actually, before the foundation of the world. Uh, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew's Gospel, we have a prophecy from the book of Isaiah foretelling and pointing to the ministry of Jesus. In fact, why don't I just read 15 with it? But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. That's powerful. And remember, Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus came to earth. 700 years prior to, foretelling the death, the resurrection, or the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not like Jesus had to train hard for this plan of God, because he willingly went to the cross as a sheep headed to the shears, as a lamb. To the, cross, uh, to the cross, the Lamb of God, to fulfill, did you read that? Catch that? Justice. And that's an important word when we think about victory in the Lord. You see, Jesus came to make a way. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, his final words. It is finished. It is finished. You know, i got to tell you, this is... It never gets old reading the resurrection story. It never gets old of celebrating Good Friday and then the resurrection. And I can't help but to tell you a story and how important it is that even as mature believers, we are continuously, and we're going to talk about living with victory every day. But I remember years ago, a Good Friday service. Somebody brought a visitor to our church. And the message was centered, obviously, on the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is finished. What, it is, what, what does that mean? You and I understand what that means. Tell us, I. The debt is cleared. It's over. Paid for. In full. Right? That's what Jesus did. But here's a, a, someone who went to church for 40 to 50 years. She was an elderly person. And she came up to me after the service and said, I never knew what it meant when Jesus said it is finished. That's sad. That's sad. We have to understand what Jesus said. It is finished. He was thinking of you and I, that we might have access to God. You see, when we think about justice, we think about a holy, righteous God who created you and I and all mankind to have a 
personal relationship with him. He's created us to worship him, that he would be our God and that we would, his creation, be his people. But there's a problem. Sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve sinned before God. And remember when they tried to make it right because of their guilt and shame, what did they do? They tried to do something in their own. They made fig leaves trying to be rid or to hide themselves. And without a relationship with God, without coming to God through his son Jesus, that's what man tries to do to remove the guilt and shame of sin. The justice of God, he, he made a way by sending his son. You know, Satan tempted, tempts man. We're told, you know, all men fall short of the glory of God because of sin. But we also remember Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of our sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, we should highlight the gift in our Bibles. Circle the word gift. Chew on the word gift. It's not anything that you and I could do to do away with our sin to come to a holy, righteous God. He does something for us. He did by sending his son Jesus to the cross that we might have life. Victory. And it's not just victory for heaven. I feel like the Lord's constantly telling me it's not always about heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm tired of this nonsense in this world, right? But we're here. And even in the midst of all the craziness going on in this world, he calls us to be light. We're here for a reason, for a purpose. And i got to tell you, what a blessing it was Friday to be at the assisted living place. That was glorious. That was like that's like a little piece of heaven where we were at. To be able to see some of you minister to the people there. It was just awesome to see. Our first time teaching a Bible study. And it's funny, I prepared all, you know, for an hour and a half, two hours before that. Just going, this gotta be good, gotta be good. And then it's like, you know what, Jim, just go share the truth. And the people loved it. We sang hymns. And after we were done, we asked for Request for hymns, <laughs> How Great Thou Art came up. So next time we go, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art. But there's a particular couple, a man and woman. She's only been there for like a week and a half, both of her and her husband. And if she's watching today, God bless her. I don't know if she is, but I praise the Lord because she came to check us out if we taught the truth. So she came. We had a Bible study. We praised God together. We prayed for her husband, who is in, uh, his name is Douglas, and he's uh, in pretty bad shape. He's a lot of health issues. And I asked if I could go pray with him. And, you know, I was expecting somebody to be, you know, laying in bed and, and really in bad shape. But this man had a smile on his face when I came in there, and immediately I knew it was the joy of the Lord. And then when I began talking with them in their life in Christ, they were believers. And they were so excited that we were wanting to come and essentially be church for them. But I was blessed that she checked us out. 
that we would be sharing the truth because they know the only way to God is through Jesus. That's victory. But it's not all about heaven. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is power for living for today. Amen? God never intended this victory that he's given to us through the free gift of his son Jesus to only be something for the future. He intended us to live in Jesus every day in victory. Let's turn to Ephesians when we think about power and victory. I love the Apostle Paul's prayer in the first chapter of Ephesians. And we better look at start in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding, again, this is Paul praying for the believers at Ephesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, dominion in every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Power. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's power. Do you understand that God raised you from the dead? That you have been transformed? You have been born again in the Spirit? That's not something you did it on your own. It is the power of God. He did it. But would you agree that sometimes we live in doubt? Sometimes we live with fear? Not knowing. Why did Paul pray this for the church of Ephesus? So that they would be reminded. And the Lord tells us throughout his word not to be afraid. We're going to have those days of fear. We're going to have uncertainty. But we can always go back to the cross. You might be thinking, well, Jim, do you know my circumstances? Do you know that it's very hard? Well, I, I don't, but he does. And the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead, the power of God who raised you from your dead life into Christ Jesus in the Spirit, is this, it's the same power to live life in victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not what today is all about? Remembering what he has done for us? It's a message of victory. Victory over sin. You know, the Bible tells us, Paul said in, Ephesus, to the church at Ephesus, do not let your sin reign. Sin still happens, but we're, not to, we're, we're to, to consider it dead. How do we consider it dead? Well, we go back to the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get through this trial? Well, yes, you can, because Jesus, he rose again. 
A message of victory. Victory over sin. Victory over the world. Oh, man. The world thinks it's winning. <laughs> but it's already done and over with, right? We, it's, it's just a matter of time. The battle's it's over. The war is over. We got a few of these things going on, just lining up until the coming of the Lord. And the Lord's going to set everything right because he is a God of justice. How can we be assured of that? Well, because Jesus rose from the dead. His word is true. Jesus is the person in whom he claimed to be. Jesus is the person whom the Bible says he is. And right now he's at the right hand of the Father, just abiding for the Father. It's just a matter of time. This world is going to be made right according to God's plan. But we're here on this earth and we're living in the midst of you know, the chaos and, and all those things that uh, the world thinks that it's winning. But it's a message of hope, the resurrection. And I can't help but to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. I love the born-again Peter. <laughs> Peter must have, he, he might have been a nice guy before he got saved, but he's a much better person, obviously filled with the Spirit. And I love reading Peter's epistles, because you know something happened to him. Well, what happened to him? Well, he believed. He, was trust, he trusted in the Lord. Resurrection happened. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then Peter began to fulfill his ministry, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And he wrote these epistles. Let's look at verse 3 through 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So here's this guy. When Jesus was arrested, he followed him. And he got to hang out at the fire. And they were calling him out because they knew he had been with Jesus. He had the accent of a Galilean. And he denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. And then we know... Later on, Jesus restored him and told him to, to feed his sheep, to tend to his sheep. And then we read this, talking about a living hope. The hope that we have is a living hope because Jesus Christ rose again. Amen? And that's what he's saying here. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then goes on and lists eternal assurance for us. Now, the Bible says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. So, hope and faith go hand in hand. And Peter here, he's connecting the hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a living hope that brings assurance. How many of us this week did the enemy come against us and tell us a lie. Anybody? 
you're believers. <laughs> the enemy is a liar. And God wants us to live with the assurance. And it's amazing, this living hope is the preaching that the early church proclaimed to a lost and dying world. And again, what, remember what Paul said. If Jesus didn't resurrect, our preaching is uh, empty. It means nothing. We should be the most pitied people in the face of the earth. But let's look at some scripture that speaks on assurance. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You know, I put down one verse, but then we really got to read a few together to make it in context. Let's look at verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Now listen to this. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. And through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. So you see what Paul's saying there? The assurance that we have as believers rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Assurance, man, assurance. Flip over to Romans chapter 4, verses 24 and 25. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, I would love to just dive in to chapter 5 of Romans, that wonderful chapter that so rightly put and teaches us the justification of God, the doctrine of justification that you and I as believers are declared righteous. And it's rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus because he died for our sin. Again, we can't be justified in any way before a holy and righteous God of doing any good work or hope that my good works outweigh my bad works. And ultimately, in every other religion in the world, it's based on self-effort, rooted in good works. But there's only one death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And see, when, when, then we are, when we receive the gospel and we hear the gospel, we're going to respond in one way or another. Amen? There was a time when you heard the gospel. How many heard the gospel one time and you committed your life to the Lord. Glory. Those people are special. They heard better. They're smarter. No, I'm joking. Some of us, it took a long time. It's like you didn't hear the gospel presented until that one time. It's like, wow, I never heard that before. Some people go to church for years, and then bam. You know why? Because it's a work of God. And his timing 
is perfect. I think when I was on the submarine, I, you know, I, I, it's not like I questioned the Lord, but you know, to help the Lord out, you know, what if I was saved when I was in the Navy and I was on board that submarine and we go to the Mediterranean Sea and we would be underwater and I could share the gospel and they could go nowhere. They would have to sit there and listen. And then I'm reminded, my, my timing is perfect, Jim. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings meaning to the cross. The meaning of the cross is a message of love. God demonstrated his love toward us when while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We celebrate Good Friday. It's good because we know three days later Jesus resurrected. If there was no resurrection, the cross means nothing. Just a man, probably a lunatic. But what about the resurrection? You might be here today, you never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. If you have never come to the Lord and asked him for forgiveness of your sin, the Bible says that you're still dead in your sin, meaning you are separated from God. Ultimately, it means you have not received the gift that we talked about in Romans chapter 6. It's a gift. It must be received. I don't know about you. I've never seen anybody turn down a gift except for the gift of Jesus Christ. He is a gift, and it comes through the message of love that God has sent his son to the cross for man's sin. If you never have asked God for forgiveness of your sin, today needs to be that day. Because the Bible says we're, we're not assured of tomorrow. We're not assured the rest of today. And as you stand before a holy, righteous God, having never asked him for forgiveness, that you, you stand guilty. What must you do? God, I am a sinner. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. I believe that Jesus resurrected on the third day. Will you please forgive me of my sin? If there's anyone here today that has never done that, I pray that today would be that day. And just as important for believers who have done this. Let's consider the cross and resurrection. Let's chew on the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are we living in victory? Are we living with hope? Are we living the resurrected life that God has for us? I'm reminded the Apostle Paul in Philippians. What does this life look like, a resurrected life? Well, when you look at Paul, if I can get there now, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul was thinking in terms of here on earth and eternally. But on this earth, you and I, believers, can live the resurrected life. I think in Colossians we coined the term resurrected lifers. That's who we are. We've been transformed by the love of God the power of the Holy Spirit. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the very same power that works in and through us. 
Paul later on, or uh, continued in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That's the Lord. He desires us to live a resurrected life, not just on resurrected sun, re Resurrection Sunday, but every day, because every day is a new day. Amen? We are going to take communion this morning. And what a blessed thing it is on Resurrection Sunday to be reminded of, of what Jesus said when he instituted the new covenant with his disciples in the upper room. And it's very significant for you and I to partake of the elements. There's nothing magical about the bread or, or the juice. It will not transform us. This is not the blood of Christ, but it's used for worship. Jesus wants us to be reminded that it was his body that was shed for us. That when he hung on the cross, his body was broken. He was crucified. He did that for you and he did it for me. He did it for the whole world. Because only in Jesus Christ is the sin of man removed. And when he died on that cross, and he resurrected on the third day that gives power to the meaning of the cross, our sin is no more. Amen? It's by faith we believe that we, our sin has no power over us. We are made just in the eyes of God. Take, eat. As Jesus led them to partake of the bread, he also led them to take of the cup. Again, nothing special about the cup. When we think about the cup, we think about redemption. You and I are only redeemed, meaning bought back, by the blood of Jesus. On Friday we sang nothing but the blood of Jesus. Today we remember that we have indeed been redeemed by the blood of Christ, we're filled with his spirit. He's given us life. And we know that life is in the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So take. Let us stand and pray together. Father, what blessing it is for the body of Christ to gather together on this day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your scriptures that point to the significance of the resurrection of Jesus. Oh Lord, we could go for eternity, Lord, and 
to chew on these things. We're thankful that you have given us life through your Son. And Lord, may we be reminded at this hour that not only did Jesus resurrect, but we too, because of our faith, because of what you've done for us, we too will resurrect. We thank you for the power of your Spirit that has caused us to be born again. We thank you for the promise of resurrection for eternity. When there will be that day that, if it be part of your will, that you come for your church and that we depart from this earth being snatched out at the rapture, a resurrection for us. And Lord, if we breathe our last, being followers of Christ, having believed and having our sin already judged at the cross, we live with that wonderful hope that the very second that we are no longer on this earth, breathing our last, that we too would resurrect. Lord, I pray that this would be the hope of your church and that we would be obedient in all ways, that we would never, ever compromise the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Lord, would you bless your people, fill them with hope by your spirit. Lord, may each of us live in victory, knowing that you've given us victory over, this, over sin, over the world, over the flesh. May we live with the assurance that you give to us through your word that we may glorify you in all things. For it's in the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.
Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.